Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and everything in between. We're back. Week off. Took some much-needed self-care. The Go Deep podcast is ready to do that very exact thing. I'm your host, Eric Ramirez, coming to you live from Damascus, Maryland. Um, Jets played primetime. Uh, the only thing I have to say about that is please, no more primetime games. Thank you very much. Tossing <laughs> uh, this over to my my partner with the gambling uh, tips and tricks, Lauren. Hey, what's going on, guys? It's Lauren coming. Uh, you can find me at on Twitter at the underscore heap 21. I'm a Washington football team fan, Wizards fan, anything D-sports fan related, really. On top of that, I cover up most, all, most of and all our gambling uh, inquiries and questions and, uh, and our betting lines. But now I'll pass it down to my best friend, AJ. Hey, y'all, this is AJ uh, coming to you live from Shady Grove, Maryland. Um, I am a Washington sports fan uh, with the sole exception of my beloved Baltimore Orioles. Um, and uh, you can find me on Twitter at Dinadan Jets. Um, I am delighted to introduce to you guys um, a, uh, a great guest we're having on today, the defensive coordinator for the uh, Clarksburg Coyotes, Mac Juniorson. Mac, you want to uh, let him know what your socials are? Yeah. What's up, y'all? Um, this is Mac, Mac Juniorson. Um, I'm a Chargers fan, Lakers fan. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at CoachMac underscore S4R. Welcome back. Thanks for thanks for hopping on the show, man. Thank you. Appreciate your time. Uh, yeah, so uh, as some of y'all might have noticed or might not have noticed, if you didn't, well, you know, we're going to kind of take that personal. But uh, we, took a, we took a week off. We believe that self-care is very important here. Um, so we did just that. Um, also got it recommended from a very good friend, Joe Rogan, who gives phenomenal medical advice. Um, Aaron Rodgers, you know, shout out to him <laughs> as well for, for all that stuff. But <laughs> um, we missed, you know, we missed the week off. Um, missed y'all. A lot of stuff going on. We're going to start off with the trade round, trade deadline roundup. Um, a bit of a doozy. A um, lot of lot of veterans moving around. Uh, my personal favorite move, Vaughn Miller to the Rams. Um, Denver. Got it, got it, you know, I feel like they got a good amount of picks back for him. But uh, Rams, man, they got dangerous. Uh, Miller didn't play this week against the Titans, and it showed um, as the Titans kind of gave it to him. But, uh, Mac, how do you like you're, – you're an L.A. fan, so the other L.A. team just got a little bit better, NFC, of course. But how do you like the move? Um, I think scheme-wise, it's amazing. Um, I mean, you have probably two of the best pass rushes on the same team probably on the same side, to be honest. I mean, it's, it's unstoppable um, with a corner, a shutdown corner on the back end of it. I mean, I think I, I think that's probably one of the greatest free agency moves or trade deadline moves we've seen in the league for probably the last 10 years, to be honest. I think that was a, that was a big move for the Rams, um, especially with the Cardinals in that division. That's, that's mm. going to be a tough one. Yep. That's going to be a tough one. Lauren, how do you like it, man? What are your thoughts on it? Love it. Uh, if you cut, if you turn it earlier to my, our first podcast ever, I had the Ram, I had the Rams as my dark horse to win the Super Bowl this year. I had the Ram, I had Matt Stafford as my also dark horse to win MVP. I thought the Rams this year were going to dominate, and then they just added another stud to their to their repertoire. As as we speak, and as Eric called my name out, I was looking at the odds for the Rams to win the Super Bowl to lay down some money on um, them winning it all. So. Yeah, no, I love this move. I love the trade. I can't wait to see Vaughn and Aaron Donald uh, 
start ripping teams apart. And and then uh, on top of that, they have a shutdown corner and Jalen Ramsey um, just go to work. Uh, you know, all three levels of that defense now are just absolutely horrifyingly scary. I mean, imagine – I mean, just imagine uh, Aaron Donald – uh, just, just like, uh, Mac, imagine that you have Aaron Donald and Vaughn Miller and Jalen Ramsey on your defense and just imagine the blitzes you can just – you can just come up with. Man. And, like, like like the things you can do. Like, just, just imagine how much fun this is. Like, your life would become so much easier. Easy. I mean, to be honest with them, you only got a blitz. I mean, that front right. four pressure is going to choke every team. Every team. I mean, who every do you, team. Who do you double team? <laughs> who do you, who do you double yeah. team? Pick your poison. Yeah, yeah it's, no, yeah, exactly. Have, you, I mean, hey, it's you like you ahead. have to double. Team, you have to double team one, and you have to chip another one. That's a lot of that's a lot of scheming to do. Yeah, it's a lot of scheming from an offensive coordinator standpoint. And go ahead and double team Aaron. That's fine. He's used to it. He gets double team all the time, but still gets sacks left and right. Terrorizes the, the quarterback and the running back and the entire offense. So I love the yeah. trade. I'm pumped. Uh, the Rams. If, when the Rams make the playoffs, I'll win some money. And when the Rams start winning <laughs> games in the playoffs, I'll win more money. So you know. Anyway, I'll toss it over to AJ and his thoughts. Uh, yeah, I, I, um, I mean, from my, you know, just I don't want to backtrack on what's already been said, but I, I also want to like. As a Washington football team fan, I feel a little bit bad for Denver Broncos fans because it feels like it feels like a very um, sending Champ Bailey to Denver for uh, in return for Clinton Portis moment. Except the Denver Broncos didn't get anyone anywhere near as good as Denver or as Clinton Portis out of this deal. Uh, and uh, you know, you hate to see somebody who's devoted that much of their time and uh, um, uh, you know time and effort in the Denver community and have to ship him out to LA against his against his will presumably. Um, so, uh, you know, you, you kind of hate to see that, but I mean, on the other hand, free my mans, the Broncos are not likely to do very much this the rest, with the rest of the year. And, uh, he's going to have a whole lot of fun playing in the playoffs with the, with the Rams. So what was the line that he said, uh, when he got traded was I went to bed four and four, I woke up seven and one. <laughs> hey, that's, that's a classic right there. Yeah. That's like such a cold line right there. Um, another like, another outside linebacker edge that got traded at the deadline was uh, Melvin Ingram the third got traded from Pittsburgh over to Kansas City. Um, <clears throat> kind of a similar situation, I feel like, where Chiefs get some help on the edge, give uh, Chris Jones someone else to kind of help get some pressure in there. Um, Chris Jones is no Aaron Donalds, but he's still you know he's still one of the one of the better defensive linemen in the league for sure when uh, when he turns it on. So um, I really like that move. My Jets traded for. Uh, Laurent Duvernay Tardif from the Chiefs. Um, we can finally replace freaking Greg Van Rotten, who's an absolute terrible right guard, been an absolute just disaster there. So I'm excited to see that. Um, Zach Ertz got traded to the Cardinals. Uh, Mark Ingram, the running back, got traded back to New Orleans, which is super exciting to see. Um, and then the Rams released Deshaun Jackson, and then the big bombshell, Odell Beckham Jr., was just released. Um, over this past week, and it's finally a free agent today. So um, let me start it off. AJ, which one of these other moves, like, are you super excited to see develop? Um, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see a couple of them develop. I think I want to point out, use my time to point out, like, I don't I don't understand what happened with Deshaun Jackson in, in L.A. Is he just, I don't, is he angry? Is he upset at winning football games or something? Like, I don't, I don't understand that. Uh, you know, maybe he's not getting the type of attention that he's, you know, accustomed to, but like, also he's like 400 years old. Uh, and I mean, not 400 years old, but you know, what I'm trying to say like, he's an old man in terms of football. 
even though he can still get down the field super quick. So I don't understand what he's so upset about. He was still catching pat catching bombs. Um, so I don't, I don't, I don't, that, that whole thing just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but, um, the, uh, uh, I, am interested to see where Odell Beckham goes. Um, I think, uh, if the case has been made pretty clear at this point that, uh, Baker Mayfield was just not throwing the ball I, for whatever reason, those two just could not get on the same page. Uh, and no, no matter how open, uh, OBJ would get, he just wouldn't get in the ball. So I'm excited to see him go someplace with somebody who was willing to throw him, uh, throw the ball in his general direction and allow him to go do what he does, which is catch catch passes um so uh they're saying i guess the current uh the current uh talk uh on on the uh, nfl sort of journalist wire is that uh he wants to go to the packers um uh if he does you know you just hope that he's vaccinated so that he's not uh he's not constantly out of games uh the way the rest of that team is um but uh nevertheless that's what i'm that's what i'm most excited to see in this in this particular uh you know in these these player moves these roster moves. Lauren, which one are you most excited for? Besides Bob Miller, of course. Yeah, no. So, uh, free my man, Mark, uh, Melvin Ingram, um, love, or, uh, Mark Ingram. I'm sorry. Excuse me. Mark Ingram. I love, uh, Melvin Ingram, of course, was awesome, uh, for the Mac. I'm sure knows all those years in San Diego. Uh, anyway, uh, but Mark Ingram, when he went back to New Orleans, I was pumped because I loved the, uh, when he was there with Alvin Kamara, I loved that two headed beast they had that running back committee and just just destroying teams um no so i was super pumped when he went back uh and then obviously deshaun getting released was a little was a little confusing um because i was with aj on that i was like bro you just ride the pine and and you know what i mean like injuries happen in the nfl so like i feel like at some point you're going to be needed and on top of that like we know at this point in your career all you're good is for a go route but still like you're still one of the most lethal guys in the league running a go route so like we send you on a go route they got to cover you because if they don't, we're just going to throw it to you and you're, it's going to be an automatic six. So, like, I kind of was like, why would you want to be like, no, I'm done with this team with Matthew Stafford, who has a cannon, and then all the other weapons around him, where you could just, like, sit there and be like, no, I'm going to get a ring and then or wait till someone gets injured and be like, okay, now you need me. But anyway, that's besides the point. He's a free agent, so we'll see what he does. OBJ release. I heard today, Mac, you might tell, might be able to tell me the, that I'm wrong and I'm horrible. Um, I was reading today that in, I guess, in the Cleveland offense, they, one, tend to run the ball more be a run ball centric and two they're more about timing routes and that obj's strength is more of being a free ball like a freelance kind of guy like he runs around but then he's, he gets free he finds zones he finds weaknesses and in cleveland baker was more like hit your, hit your three step boom get the ball hit your seven step boom get the ball out and it just more kind of timing and it just never quite fit with obj um which i mean i don't mac maybe has more um of a higher IQ maybe in reading offenses and understanding. And maybe that's wrong on my part with OBJ. Maybe that's wrong in general because, you know, I saw running wide open a lot. So, you know, and getting missed. So, you know, you know, that's, you know, that's, that's all that, that might be on me there, but I hope it goes to the Packers or I hope it goes to Seattle. Those are the two teams I've read about. He trains with uh, Russell. He trained, well, he trained with Russell, Russell Wilson in the off season. So him going to Seattle would be a lot of fun to see him and him and Russ because Russ likes to go off script a lot, and so does Aaron. Aaron can Aaron can scramble still and go off script. It just depends on how much if he gets COVID or not to this point. But I don't know, Mac. I don't. I don't know. What do you think about OBJ being a, a free agent? Um, I mean, I think getting out of Cleveland was the best thing for him. Um, just it was it's bad for not not saying Cleveland is bad, but it's just they're so run heavy that it's run heavy play action fake. Um, that's not him. He wants a system where they can spread the ball out, move him around, put him in a slot. You know, just like you said, little 
not even timing passes, but little dinks and donks. That's that's what I call it. Just little things that could get him part as part of the game. I think if you a lot of time Cleveland, you just seeing a hey, run a nine route, run your vertical, run your post route, run your corner. I mean, it's it, that's not that's not a place for a receiver like him. Jarvis, on the other hand, that's him because he's a you know I'm gonna run my route, get open, time and stuff, throw it. You know, Odell is. He's a freelancer, like you said. I mean, he wants he wants to be free. So I think um, I don't know if Seattle is going to be good for him. Um, I know he has connections with Russ. I like Aaron Rodgers and the Packers for him. Um, so I also like the Chargers for him, but <laughs> I'm a fan talking. <laughs> but now nah, I do like I do like the Packers for him. Um, I think he gives them that second receiver they're looking for. Um, I mean, it's not really going to be a second. It's just going to be 1A, 1B, but, you know, that's going to be a good place for him. Is that, would you say that's the your favorite move so far in the offseason or in the, like, around the trade, trade deadline? Uh, favorite move? Yeah, probably. I mean, I think the Vaughn Miller one was probably another one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the most surprising one was Jalen Smith. I mean, <laughs> he didn't stick around very long. I don't know what's going on. Um but from what I've seen, he's a great player. So whoever gets him next, you know, they might get lucky. Maybe he has an injury. Nobody's disclosing. Something's going on internally. But, hey, man, the last time I seen him on the field, he was great. Yeah. I mean, he was great. And ain't too many ain't too many middle linebackers who could run like him. So I don't Which know. Which is crazy him. given, like, his knee injury too, right? Right. You know? Exactly. Maybe it's. I think. I think with the Jalen situation, it might even be one of those situations where uh, a player is just too in their head. So you know, you, you heard a lot in in Dallas where he's like, they're talking about, oh, he was overshooting or he he wasn't making his reads. He was bad in pass coverage, and maybe he's just letting that get to him. And I mean, I I understood Dallas because one, you draft a player to replace him, and then mm-hmm. two, you have a new system. So it's that for a player like him. You know, that's a lot, you know. I mean, two years, probably, what, two out of the last four years, they draft linebackers to replace him. Yeah. So it's, it's one of those things. Um, but I think I think he's going to end up in a place where he's going to be okay. Um, I think, I think it like, it's like, he's, like Lawrence said, injuries happen in the league, so you just never know. I mean, you just never know when that call is going to come. What a, yeah. He's young what enough, too, that- where he'll, he'll get called up. What I tell you back before I said what I tell you back before week one, what's the greatest week equalizer in the NFL? Injuries. Injuries. <laughs> it hurts everybody. That shows, man. That shows. Uh if I think I read somewhere too that Deshaun Jackson is actually gonna sign with the Raiders. Um that's what man. I heard. Um I think that's a great fit for him. I mean, he like everybody was saying, it makes no sense that he left the Rams because he was balling out up there too. And I mean the Rams are doing well regardless, but um, it's kind of it's kind of sad in a way, but Deshaun would basically step right in and take Henry Ruggs' position because Ruggs would just take the top off the of defense. Um, so he's kind of that deep threat. Um, so sad to hear about you know, sad and frustrating to hear about the Henry Ruggs situation because you know, you're at, at that level. You know, you'd expect you'd maybe catch an Uber even if it's like forty bucks. What's forty bucks? You know what I'm saying? Right. Well, so. Eric, uh, I don't know if you knew this, and AJ was telling. I think I think AJ confirmed this with me the other night when we were talking. But the Guys, NFL we, we has haven't, a policy. We have not. 
we haven't established that story for our audience. You should tell us, tell them what happened. Oh, go ahead, Eric. Oh, <laughs> all right. Just a quick transition uh, from the from the trade deadline. Uh, Henry Ruggs, wide receiver for the Las Vegas Raiders, drafted out of Alabama in the first round like two years ago, uh, was in a fatal car uh, car crash. Uh, he killed a woman and her pet dog. Uh, he was driving under the influence and will be charged with DUI um, and causing a fatality, I believe, something like that. Um, so he is no longer league. He was re- he was released or he's no longer on the Raiders. He was released, um, and he is currently uh, facing trial for that. So um, that is what's going on. The car blew up. Well, his car, you know, just had a, some frontal damage, but the car that he hit literally burst into flames. Um, and yeah, it's uh, what not else? a good not a good situation. No, it's not. It's horrible. It's it's awful. Um, and what I was saying, Eric, was that the NFL has a policy. I heard this, and AJ was kind of a, telling me that he heard it too. That the NFL, I guess, has a no es- no questions, no ask policy on get on picking you up somewhere. So you call like this hotline. I guess the NFL provides all the players and go. I'm fucked up. I'm in a situation where I can't drive. I'm in. I'm here. Here's my address. I need a ride to my house. They will send a car, an Uber, something where it's all paid for to pick you up and take you home or take you wherever you need to be. And they won't ask any questions. They don't want to know what's going on. They'll take you. They'll take you right out of there. To me, it's to me, it's like you have all that money. You have more money than than in the. You have all the money in the world right now. So like, how much how much is an Uber Deluxe killing you, or how much is hiring a chauffeur just killing you right now? So it's just a terrible situation that I don't think anybody should be caught in. An Uber is affordable. Yeah, I mean, it's just, to me, it was just one of those stories that you hear, um, like, randomly on a Tuesday, and you're like, wow, um, super tragic. Uh, our condolences from the Goatee Podcast to uh, the family of that woman. Uh, that's not, you know, that's not that's not how you expect to go, so. Um, yeah, but we're going we're gonna to transition um, from that, because... That was a lot to um, the Tennessee Titans. Just because, like, we actually two uh, two weeks ago on the on the last episode, we actually had a whole debate talking about Tennessee Titans and whether we bought uh, bought them or we were going to sell them. Um, and my two cohorts here both were very avidly buying the Tennessee Titans after they thrashed the Bills and the Chiefs, um, and then they proceeded to do what they did to the Rams. Um, I'm so one thing that they were highlighting a lot in the on the broadcast was how how gritty that team is. Um, you know, like they lose King Henry for six to eight weeks. Um, the defense just comes out and plays absolutely insane. Uh, Mac, did you watch that game at all? I did. I did. So from a defensive coordinator's like stance, like break down break down that defense for me because from for the casual fan, you might not realize a lot of the things that went on. Um, for somebody who's a little more like engraved into the football, it's like, wow, that defensive line was taking the game over. But what else? What was something that really stuck out to you, like overall about about that whole game? I mean, I think the biggest thing was they took away that play action. Um, if you know the Rams, you know play action on first down is coming. Like it's no, they don't hide it. They they first downs. I think if you look at it, probably like seventy percent of the time they'll run a play action pass on the first down. So they took that away. Um, like you said, the pressure was coming. 
Um, just getting Matt Stafford out of the pocket was big for them. Um, the Rams also don't have a running game to complement their passing game. Um, so that was big. But I think that defense was just active, man. I, I mean, they flew around. The the one where he was in the end zone was about to be a safety, and he throws it. And, the man, I'm t- I mean, that's that's active defense right there. And they rushed four in that play. So it's, that just goes to tell you, you know, it's it's real. You know, um, I think I think Mike Bravo is a good coach. Um, I like him. I like what he does on defense. So, I, I, you know, for once, I never doubted the fact that they could do something like that defensively. AJ, how did you did you watch the game? How did you, how did you think about it? what did you? Um, what did you I did not about? watch the game, but I did watch the. I did. I was able to catch some of the highlights. Um, I uh, I mean I I I wasn't surprised. Um, I think the Titans are, um, you know, I, I've harped over this over the course of the couple, the you know, past couple of weeks, or not past couple of weeks, honestly, the whole show. But like, I, I have a lot of faith in in good football teams, and what I mean by that is where you have complete units on on every in, in every phase, you know. And the Titans are just one of those teams. So you know, even losing a guy as as uh, as one one of a kind as a, as a Derrick Henry, um, you know, you can still figure out a way to win football games, right? Um, and they, that's what they did. That, that's, that's what they did. Um, and you know, you got to kind of tip your hat to that because it's got, it takes a lot of work to put in an organization that can, uh, that can do that, um, at, at every level. So, um, you know, it, it was a, it was a good, it was a good tough win and, and, uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much all I got. Lauren, what you think? I think we were smart to buy the Titans when we did. I think we, I think, no one thought that the Titans. I didn't think the Titans would beat the Rams. I thought the Rams would come out and come out and beat them. But I think the Titans are here and they've made a statement. Their last couple wins, their last uh, let's see here, four four wins are against Buffalo, who people think are the best team in the AFC, against Kansas City, who are clearly a shell of themselves. They beat uh, Indian overtime and then the, and then the Rams. Uh, I mean, Buffalo and the Rams are probably the two top teams in the NFC and the and the AFC that they just beat. Without and one of them they beat without King Henry. So I think the the Titans are here and they're here to stay. They they've they've made it clear that they're not a team that 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 you can just mess around with. They like you know I always going into like the Rams game for instance. It was like what can Ryan Tannehill do? Can Ryan Tannehill do enough? And it's like no, this team can do enough. It's like it's not just Tannehill that can struggle. It's this team is a it's a complete team. They could they can do enough, and uh, they can they they they've I mean. They've proven that they're here and they're here to stay. You know, I'm done picking against them pretty much. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be playoff time before I start picking against them again. You know, I'll be surprised that they might get an upset, you know, here or there, some team might be some random team might beat them, but I'm done picking against them. They're here. They're here to stay. And they've proven that they can beat, they can hang with the best of them. They're going to make it. They're going to make the playoffs and make a run. To me too, it's impressive that, you know, they had, they lost Corey Davis and they lost Johnny Smith in the in free agency to start the season. Um, they got Julio Jones, but Julio Jones has been like injured half the time. Um, so they've been winning in spite of that. AJ Brown just having, you know, continuing his dominance on the outside. Yeah. Um, I was, I was definitely a seller on the Titans at first, um, especially cause you know, the Jets beat them. So best team in the NFL there clearly. So Eric, <laughs> but, Eric, get this. The teams they play left are some of the teams they play play that are play le- they play left are the Texans, the Jags, 
the Dolphins and then the Texans again. So those are four oh, games God. against some what you would what I would call cupcakes. I call them cupcakes. <laughs> and they even play the 49ers. Oh, you can throw the 49ers in there if you want to call them even kind of a kind of a cupcake cupcake, you know, because they kind of you know 49ers tend to put up a fight, you know, whomever know how they're playing, but that's kind of who they play. And then the Patriots and the Steelers are the only two teams that are like kind of question marks, but they've kind of paved their way to to, to win the to win their uh, division and uh the AFC South and uh kind of make and make yeah. the playoffs. Well, that's a good transition too, right? Because so like you're talking about the games that they have left. Um, and they have to play the Jags, right? Jags just beat the Bills. It wasn't pretty. It was pretty tight. Um, it was only like a three point win, nine to nine to six or something crazy like that. But Josh Allen was just tearing up Josh Allen. <laughs> you know, it's so like you said, any given Sunday, you never know what's gonna happen, but definitely, definitely interesting. To, it's something interesting to keep an eye on, right? Because we just had an, a voodoo week of NFL football where just all these random teams are just beating other teams. Denver took it to the Cowboys, like absolutely dismantled them. Nobody saw that coming. Um, Bears almost beat the Steelers last night. Like, no, this week. Literally... Yeah, this week was upset week. Like the Jags upsetting uh, upsetting the uh, the Denver winning. Um, it was all like people teams that have our undercards for sports supposed to win this week, and they did. It was a complete, kind of, kind of topsy turvy weekend. Which one? Uh, which one was your favorite upset of the week? Denver. Denver. All right. Denver by AJ, far. AJ, what was your favorite? Yeah, I mean, as a Washington football team fan, you gotta love uh, the Cowboys going out there and laying an egg against uh, against a Von Millerless Denver Beautiful. Uh, Broncos defense. Beautiful. It's it's just Fair nice to see. There. Uh, Mac, what was your favorite upset of the week? Um, I like the Giants being the Raiders, man. <laughs> oh, that's a divisional one right that's there. A, there you go. We needed that one, especially yeah. after the Broncos did what they did. I'm like, come on, man. I don't, uh, believe, that. I don't believe in that. That's fair. That's a, that, I, huh? That was a good win for the for the Giants. Yeah, I was. Uh... <laughs> I was I was just blown away by what you know what the Giants can pull off that game. <laughs> I uh, I gotta admit I I relished absolutely had a blast watching the Bills lose to the to the uh, to the Jags. <laughs> uh, everybody who knows me, yeah, everybody who knows me knows I hate Josh Allen because so, he's just so good. So uh, <laughs> yeah, shout out to uh, shout out to defense. Okay, all right. So so for fe- people who may not know. Uh, there's a defensive. Uh, I think is he a DB or a, or a linebacker? I don't remember. He's a, he's, he's, a, he's an edge outside. Yeah, linebacker. He's an edge outside linebacker. So yeah. So okay. So there's a outside linebacker that plays for the Jags called Josh Allen, uh, and the quarterback for the B- Buffalo Bills, of course, is also named Josh Allen. And defensive Josh Allen uh, absolutely terrorized offensive Josh Allen the entire game. Uh, he came up with an interception. I think he forced a fumble and had a had a sack. Uh, so, so yeah, Josh Allen completely demolished Josh Allen today, uh, that day. Yeah. He had himself a game. <laughs> speaking of, speaking on these upsets and, you know, shouting out some defensive players, shout out to Cassius Marsh, uh, practice squad linebacker elevated the day of to, for, for the bears to play against the Steelers. Uh, he had a sack on Ben Roethlisberger. Like with three minutes left in the game or something like that, would have iced it. Uh, proceeds proceeds to celebrate in front of the sideline, the Steelers sideline, 
gets all right, a taunting all right. call. Hold on, hold on, Todd. <laughs> Let, let's 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 back up here and just narrate this correctly, right? <laughs> he got penalized for like standing like halfway across the field and just looking at the at the sideline for the Steelers. And then on his way back to the back to the huddle, the ref like hip checked him for some reason. Like he was trying to like do one of those like Trey Young slash James Harden like, oh, I'm sticking my ass out so that I can shoot the shot and get the foul call that they're trying to take away in the NBA right now. Uh, the the ref did that and then like does a finger roll with the flag as he throws it up in the air. He looks like he's trying to do the Statue of Liberty or something, and uh, it, it calls it for taunting, which is. Which was just it swung the whole game. It's like there was no reason for that at all. Uh, the refs and the, the officiating in that entire game was horrible. Uh, but uh, Eric, if you want to, if you want to finish up telling us why we're shouting them out, that's that's not the reason we're even talking about them. To be honest, <laughs> the reason we're shouting them out, the, his press conference. <laughs> this man stepped out with a gold chain. <laughs> his hair all like I can't even remember what his hair looked like. All right. But he was wearing the greatest fur coat I have ever seen him. Lauren, take this away, please. All right. For reference, for reference, no, I'm gonna let Eric finish. I'm gonna let you finish, Eric. I'm gonna let you finish and give you your description because it's great. But for reference, a, so we have a group chat between me, Eric, and AJ. AJ sent it to us, like the group chat of him standing there at the podium, and I was like, why is a crackhead giving this speech? And then, uh, and Adrian was like, "Oh no, that's Cassius." And I was like, "Oh, oh, 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 this is this guy." That's our like, boy Cassius. And I was like, "That's a that's a interesting uh, style to go with, I guess." You know, like I had, <laughs> it was, it was interesting. Let's just, I'm just gonna leave it at that. It was interesting. I just didn't yeah, expect he, it. I thought it was photoshopped. I thought it was photoshopped. Let's just put it like that. I thought someone photoshopped someone on like, there, and I, no idea it was real. He, he looked like if uh, if um, <laughs> he looked like if the diplomats tried to assault Winterfell. Uh, he looked like he looked. <laughs> he looked, he looked <laughs> exactly. Exa- he like they had this ridiculous fur coat uh, with a gold chain, but then also his hair was like was like lank and like just stuck to the sides of his face. It looked it like looked he just disgusting. got out the shower. He, he, looked looked gross. Gross. he looked gross. Yeah, nah, it, he was giving me big Jake Paul got sent off to the wall vibe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not a good look. <laughs> Cassius, my man, whoever, you know, whoever told you that was a good look for the press conference. Hey, man. Clearly was just trying to set you up. He looked Sorry like he had a rough night. He looked like if Kid Rock had just run a marathon. <laughs> and stole a pimp's coat. <laughs> Yeah, it was, it's a tough, it's a tough look. It's a tough look. That was tough. <laughs> That's double him, That's exactly what he looked like. <laughs> Cassius Marsh, ladies and gentlemen, look him up. Uh, look Cash- up this press conference. It was, it was a, it was a, it was a fit. Yep. The craziest part, though, is that Cassius Marsh was not the dumbest looking line or football player this weekend. As we found out, as we, what's the proper way to phrase this? Aaron Rodgers blessed us with absolute cannon fodder this weekend as he hopped on to our good friend Pat McAfee's podcast. Uh, <laughs> uh, Aaron Rodgers was, uh, did not play this past week because he was diagnosed with COVID. Um, he, th- he thought, you know, what better way to spend my time off than hop on a podcast and absolutely make a clown of myself. And uh, AJ... 
<laughs> Please give us some of the highlights here, man. Yeah, man. I think it's it's important to note like how much of a clown he is and like how much of a in particular how much of an own goal this whole past week was for Aaron Rodgers. Uh he starts off uh by earlier in the year he answered a reporter's question uh saying that uh uh, by saying um, they asked him if he had been vaccinated and he didn't say that he'd been vaccinated. What he said was, I have been immunized. Uh, and what people understood that to mean was that he had been vaccinated. Uh, so he starts off by like lying for like, for like six to eight weeks, just like two, two, three solid months of just telling, just fibbing, just cap, just straight cap. Then uh, he gets COVID. Uh, it comes out in, into the, in the, into the conversation that he hasn't been vaccinated uh, and this is, and also like for, for more context, Aaron Rodgers has spent his, spent his career building up a, a good amount of goodwill or public relations, goodwill. Uh, he's got a great, he had a great public image, uh, seemed like a guy who, uh, you know, he seemed smart. He won celebrity jeopardy and he was, he hosted jeopardy. Uh, and, and, you know, he just had a, he just had a generally large amount of goodwill. He responds to Tom Brady's trolling of him with, uh, you know, with, lighthearted good humor as opposed to getting mad at him or at least not publicly getting mad at him anyway uh so people think he's great right then it comes out he gets covid turns out uh no actually i wasn't vaccinated man decides to go on the pat mcafee show and i i, I remember when when i when we shared the news in the group chat i was just like oh this this is not going to be good at all uh i said that immediately because because there's really nothing you can say at that point once the news has come out that you're not vaccinated you just lied to everybody there's really nothing you could say that's going to make that any better. But Aaron Rodgers goes on the Pat McAfee's podcast, uh, goes on Pat McAfee's podcast and shares with the world that uh, he uh, is not anti-science. I swear, I, I promise. <laughs> I promise I'm not anti-science uh, is what he says. And uh, But nevertheless, uh, declares that he couldn't take any of the vaccines because uh, they, I, I'm, he's allergic to an ingredient in Pfizer and Moderna. And uh, he couldn't take J and J because it uh, because of the clotting scare that happened in like July, uh, which is all nonsense. Which is all fairy tale nonsense. I mean, I don't know about the allergy part to, to the Moderna and, and Pfizer thing. Sure, maybe maybe that's true. Uh, but the clotting thing, the clotting issue was an issue for like twenty women out of like a million, uh, and it took place. Uh, <laughs> and it was it was all they were all women aged eighteen to like forty two. So like Aaron bruh i don't know if you know this but you're not a woman aged 18 to 42 uh so that's not really not gonna be an issue for you um nevertheless he decides that uh, now we can't do it uh and he also on pat mcafee's show said that he is he was in consult consultation with uh and i want to make sure i get this right uh guys medical individuals is the term he used um so we've got cop speak here uh, just obs- completely obscuring the fact that uh, no, he in fact did not talk to any doctors. That's that's the point. Uh, and today we just had confirmation of that when Pat McAfee asked him point blank whether he had which who the doctors were that he had spoken to, and he was just like, uh, I spoke to some of my friends that got COVID and uh, and uh, and also Joe Rogan. Um, yeah, that was the other thing that came out last week was that uh, Pat uh, was that Aaron Rodgers listens to Joe Rogan and uh, was also had had used ivermectin. And was currently, which is the horse drug for for those of you at home who follow that story, um, and was is currently treating quote unquote treating COVID with ivermectin, which is not medically possible. Uh, and uh, so yeah, so it turns out he's just a huge anti-vax doofus 
uh, and like just doesn't want to take the flack in the public for for saying that. Um, one a couple of couple of the greatest hits for from Aaron Rodgers is uh, no good, horrible, very bad day last week. Uh, comparing himself to Martin Luther King Jr. for uh, for not being vaccinated, um, <laughs> uh, declaring that he's uh, subject to the woke uh, the woke culture cancel or woke cancel culture mobs because uh, because everyone thinks he's a moron now. Um, and he, despite him being on like one of the most popular podcasts in the country and just spouting his BS for uh, for a good hour. Uh, so yeah, Aaron just, uh, basically took that giant pile of public goodwill that he had spent a, an entire, like 12 or 13 year career, uh, accumulating and proceeded to light it on fire. Um, so that's Aaron Rodgers, folks. Uh, my dude, do yourself a favor and sit down somewhere and shut up. Just, ju- just be quiet. We don't need to hear anything else from you, dude. Sorry. You've done it to yourself. And, uh, at this point, Saying more things just makes it worse. It's like quicksand. You know, the more you struggle, the faster you sink in. Just give it up. We all know you're dumb now, and you're just going to have to live with watching you own the Bears all every year. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, yeah. Uh, Mac, anything you want to share on this one? Nah, man, he, he touched it all. I mean, it's just it's one of those crazy things. I think damage control needs to like kick in right now. <laughs> I don't know if he can be saved at this point. He can't, but it's, it's more of a I'm gonna just take this vaccine and keep it moving. <laughs> take this L is what he needs to take. Yeah, this I mean, I, yeah, he, I think he already took the L. Uh, Lauren, you got anything you want to add to to the situation here? No, I just said enough, but uh, yeah, no, it was, <laughs> I think he, uh, I think Aaron all uh, stuck himself out there. Like, I'm going to stand on this pedestal. People are going to back me up and love me. And then everybody was like, you dumb as shit. And then <laughs> and, uh, he was like, oh, uh, uh, guess I'm not getting the love I thought I was going to get for uh, taking this stand. And uh, yeah, now he's paying the consequences. So yeah, no, he was, even today, he even said like, um, I didn't think people react the way they did. And so he's realizing uh, that uh, he probably needs, he probably should get, you know, the shots, but it is what it is. He's going to do what he's going to decide to do. He's got more money than God right now. So he can get away with whatever he wants. And he's, and he's a star in the NFL. Clearly they're going to give him star treatment like they did. So we'll see what happens now. I'm sure he'll be wearing a mask now at the podium. And I'm sure because if he doesn't, I'm sure a reporter is going to ask him. So, He's going to be – I'm just waiting for his first press conference back, you know, and how, how that room's going to be packed and asking him a bunch of questions. But, yeah, no, um, he definitely has fallen from grace. Uh, you always kind of look to Aaron Rodgers like, man, I'd love to be that guy, right? Like he just yawns in the middle of football games and then goes and wins a game and then collects a $40 million check every year and checks every year. And it's just like – and then his State Farm checks. Like, yeah, this is great. I lived a life. Like I'm on Jeopardy and then – he says this dumb shit, and you're like, oh, wow, you're really a moron. That's cool. And then, you know, keep living your life. I mean, the thing that's really outrageous about all this, honestly, and it hasn't really been touched on yet because the consequences haven't fallen, um, is, like, the fact that Aaron Rodgers has been openly flouting the NFL's safety protocol rules about wearing a mask at press conferences or indoors um, and, uh, you know, just generally walking around being unvaccinated and refusing to follow the rules. And now, now the NFL is in the spot where it's like, well, 
uh, now that it's come out that he's been flouting the rules uh, openly and, and completely defiantly, like uh, we have to, surely they have to discipline him somehow, right? And if they don't discipline him, what does it do? It just reveals how much of a sham the NFL is as an organization uh, to like in, in dealing with this kind of crap. Um, and, uh, you know, on the other hand, if they punish Aaron Rodgers by, you know, and, you know, what's it going to be is the question. Are they going to like take a hundred thousand, a bazillion dollars from him or whatever? Who cares? He, he, he's got the change for that. Uh, he's Aaron Rodgers. Well, um, on the other hand, might he get suspended a couple of games? I mean, that tanks, that tanks the whole team, you know? And I mean, the, the Packers proved they could win, I guess, without Devonte uh, Devonte Adams and, um, uh, oh, what's their what's their number two? I can't remember his name. Marcus Lazard or Valdez uh, Lazard, Lazard, yeah, or Lazard, yeah, Lazard and Lazard. And he, yeah. They proved that Aaron Rodgers could throw the ball to his other receivers and and pull off a win. Um, well, but they're, well, they're running think, back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think what we just witnessed this past week is they can't win without Aaron Rodgers. You know that team's so, not so. You know, well, that has, well, he tanks. He tanked his own teams. He may have tanked his own team. He, taking his entire teams. Uh, and an entire city's aspirations on himself, and and like tanking it for his own personal nonsense. Great job with well, your five hundred pages of research, Aaron. Well, the consequences <laughs> to his actions um, they, that actually just became public about an hour ago. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's absolutely astronomical what they just did to the Packers. They fined the poor Packers organization three hundred thousand dollars. What? I don't know. How, I don't know how they're going to. Are you kidding me? One. How are they going to recover from that financially? That's, how are they? How are they ever? How are they ever going to make up recover. for that money? That's that's going to set them back probably a decade. And then um, on at top least, of that, at minimum, Aaron Rodgers and Alan Lazard were also fined. This is this is this is the devastating part. Fourteen thousand six hundred and fifty dollars. Wow. wow. I'm mean, sure they're homeless at this point. I'd be surprised if they're not living the on the street right now. Yeah, I don't know. They might as well just ask them both to eat, you know, Popeye's biscuits with no water. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not. Eric, I think you're failing to consider that uh, some executive is going to have to hold off on buying a yacht for like a week. Like, it's going to be devastating to the whole organization. AJ, you can't ask them to do that. AJ, you just can't ask them to do that because the world's going to stop if they do that. I mean, and 14K, are you kidding me? Yep. I mean, he he probably spends I mean, that in a second on all his homes, but you know, fourteen k is a lot of money. I mean, no Lauren, you failed to consider the amount of teen dinners he would afford to pay for all by himself. Like, I mean, oh shit, my fault. That reduces my the total by like by like one. You know, like no, that's yeah, that's you're one right. less dinner. Yeah, you're right. I messed up. Have. Not yeah, everybody's right. gonna have to bend on him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's not absolute me. sham. The whole situation mm. is just so effed. So garbage. NFL is a garbage or garbage organization. Terrible people, and it's been backed up. Let's transition away from football for a moment to take a break and get that bad taste out of our mouths. Um, World Series, guys. AJ, Lauren, Atlanta. Oh Braves. yeah, uh, yeah. So the Atlanta Braves, uh, boo, horrible organization uh, of racist jerks. But uh, happy for the players uh, who who were able to eke out their win over the Houston Astros. I think the story of the series really was Houston's bats just not coming alive quite enough for them in order to um, to take out a Braves team who had some excellent, excellent pitching performances. Um, and uh, so, yeah, congrats to uh, all of the non-racist people in Atlanta. Um, so the city itself and not those crappy suburbs that they moved the team out to. Mm-hmm. 
No, it's fun to see Atlanta win. I hate Houston, so suck at Houston. I love Dusty Baker, so I was sad for him not to win it, but I hate Houston. We can't encourage cheating. So, ooh, Houston, I'm glad you lost. Anyway. You can tell on. Atlanta's not used to winning, given given how fast they went through their parade, too. They were just speeding through that thing. <laughs> yeah, for the folks at home, there's a really funny uh, – shot of uh the player like the players are on this bus during the parade and the, the bus was at like this is a parade and the bus was going like 35 miles an hour legitimately like like the same speed that you go through when you're like trying to speed through a neighborhood with speed bumps but the speed bumps aren't close enough together so you're just kind of like you're at like 35 going down the hill like that's how fast they were going through that parade it was kind of funny <laughs> another another highlight um so our our special our, our guest today uh, Mac, he's actually a Lakers fan. Uh, Mac, how do you feel watching the Washington Lakers? Uh, <laughs> how do you how do you feel seeing your old Lakers players like actually having a good season with the with the Wizards? Um, I mean, you know, I like I like when the Wizards win. Um, keeps the hometown safe. For we real. all do. <laughs> Everybody's calm, but uh, the guys we gave y'all are doing good for real. Uh, Montrez, um. KCP's good. Kyle Kuzman, surprising. Yeah. I mean, those those are good pieces for the Wizards. Um, I mean, I think still the main guy, Brad Bill, he's just he's playing out of this world. So it's good though. It's good for the Wizards. It's good for DC. It's good for just the culture out here. I think they've been rising forever, so <laughs> it's, I guess it had to show. About time. Yeah, it's about time. Lauren, what you thinking about the season so far, man? Oh man, we actually have a team. We have solid pieces. We don't have these these guys coming off the bench you've never heard of, and you don't want having contracts that are like these two way players. Uh, I don't know the uh, Tommy Shepard when Tommy Shepard traded for, traded for Russell Westbrook for John. I was a little. Me and AJ had just watched the Washington football team upset the Steelers on some random Monday night COVID football game or Tuesday night game that had gotten flexed, and we're sitting at the bar and we had just won. And I hadn't looked at my phone for the whole fourth quarter because it was close. And I flipped my phone over, and the first notification I see is Russell Westbrook's been traded for John Wall. And I go, what? And I yell, what, at the bar? And AJ's like, Lauren, relax. Like, calm down. What's going on? And I was like, we just we just traded John Wall for Russell Westbrook, and it's like a real thing. I didn't know what Tommy was thinking at the time. I really didn't. Um, turns out he was thinking four steps ahead of whatever my simple mind was and that I can trade Russell later for a haul, which is what exactly what he did. I've loved Montrez Harrell since a minute he was on the Clippers. I've watched his career. I've loved his career. Wanted him on the Wizards for forever. Was ecstatic when we got him in the trade. Same thing with Kyle Kuzma. Um, when we signed Spencer Dinwiddie as a, as a point guard in the offseason, was, I was pumped. I love Spencer, watching Spencer play in Brooklyn. Um, I think the pieces that we got from um, the Lakers were like solid core pieces, like depth that we needed at the, at, at, in the bench, off the bench, coming off the bench. Kuzma Kuzma is a wild card, but he but what I love about Kuzma is that he plays defense and he goes and gets rebounds. He gets boards. He does the dirty stuff. Like he goes, gets boards, and then he'll go play the five. Like we had him out there at the five at one point, him and Verton switching off. So like I love our depth. I love that we actually have a team. We have a solid team and we run plays. Last, uh, the other night we were playing the Bucks. We needed a bucket. We ran a double – I believe we ran – I don't know exactly what you call it in basketball. We ran a double pick for Brad, and he got to the lane and got a two. And we needed – and the time was running down. You need to run a set play. We ran a set play. It wasn't Brad Iso pull everyone off. We ran a play. On top of that, we're playing defense. We're using our length. We're using our athleticism. Um, 
Wes Unseld has these guys playing at a level that a team at a level that I haven't seen our team play at in a long time. And and even when we had the the Gilbert Arenas, Antoine Jameson years, you know, you we always rolled up against LeBron and we were always like, well, this is LeBron. Like he's just gonna do what LeBron does and beat us. This team, I feel like we could go up against anybody in the playoffs and stand a chance. Just from our depth and the way he has these guys playing. Denny looks like a completely different player. Denny Avdia, who we drafted out of Israel early last year, looks like Watching him, watching the first game from the first game this season to now, the 10 games in we are, he looks like a completely different player. He's a young guy, won the MVP in the Israeli leagues, I think, or whatever league he was playing in, came over, looked lost under Scott Brooks. Here he looks comfortable. He looks in control. And that's what we need. We need to develop these young guys. And we need to, we need to, we need to grow here. And we've got a good core, a good young core with Kyle and uh, Montrez. And then we picked up uh, Gordon. Uh, Aaron Gordon, who's our backup point guard, who's scrappy on defense, and he plays smart, high, high IQ basketball. That's the other thing. We're playing high IQ ball, and I love it. I love the way we play as a team. I love the way we run plays. And then Brad just does what he needs to do. Brad sat out the fourth quarter of one game because we blew out some other team. Brad is able – Brad probably won't chase a scoring title, but he probably be more effective than he ever has in a long time because he has the ability to uh, rest because – Contavious Caldwell Pope, who we also picked up, KCP from the Lakers, goes and guards the number one, number one, number one guy on the other team. He picks up their point guard, he picks up their number one ball mover, or we have another guy do it, not Brad. So Brad has to, has more time to rest and relax and be more efficient and more effective on offense and later in games, which I think will save his legs as the season goes on. So it's interesting to see that we have an actual solid team, an actual foundation of a team. Plus, we're missing Roy still. Once Roy comes back, we're going to have even more depth and even more rotational pieces as the season goes on. So I think we actually – I was texting AJ that we actually have a team, and I'm pumped. Like all season, I'll be like, we have a team. We have a real team that can beat people. We can beat people without Brad. We can we can move the ball. Montrez, I love him. I think he's our centerpiece. The teams are going to start trying to take him away. He runs our offense half that sometimes when he's running in the second unit. I love him. Gafford was a great signing. Um, I think we're looking up right now. I think we just need to stay healthy. We need to get to the all-star break healthy uh, and then and then really start hitting our prime after the all-star break. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm excited for this team moving forward, and we all need to go to a game. So um, I need to, uh, you know, just let me know when everybody's free and we'll make it happen. I'll organize it. We'll get it all, we'll, we'll get it all going. But I'll pass it over to the man, to, to the man with the plan, AJ, and uh, let him give his two cents. Yeah, man, I, I think, uh, I think you know, I agree with most of that analysis or pretty much everything in the analysis, actually. But um, um, I, I just wanted to highlight, like, one of the things that, I, like, once again, it's organizational integrity, right? You have, we, well, the Wizards went from a team that had the GM and Ernie Grunfeld, who did not, who clearly just did not know what he was doing, uh, just did not make the right, uh, n- did not make the right moves to put the team in a position to win games, uh, just constantly. All over and over again, uh, giant contracts for players who had no business having contracts. Uh, Jan Mahinmi comes to mind. Uh, the whole Otto Porter debacle. Um, you know, making uh, the whole thing with John Wall, making him upset. Um, like, I am, uh, like, so thrilled to have a team that is complete. And Tommy Shepard needs, needs to get a lot of credit for that, uh, for putting together an organization that has, that has enough depth to... Uh, to win games. I mean, we won a game uh, against a uh, uh, against I believe it was the Pacers without Brad at all. Um, he was hurt the whole game, and the rest of the team pieces stepped up. Um, that win against the Hawks it, that was a that was a Hawks game that he that um, the Atlanta Hawks, which the Atlantic playoff Hawks. I want to remind everyone 
uh, who last year uh, did so much to upset the Knicks and went, made a deep playoff run. Uh, Wizards blew them out, and they blew them out enough so that uh, Brad Beal got to sit the entire fourth quarter. And in the game was 17 points, you know? Like, sounds like it wasn't even a standout performance based on, you know, how much you're expecting from Brad. But the fact of the matter is, the whole rest of the team was around him and, and there to pick him up. And that's the, that's the type of special performance you're going to see from the Wizards uh, at this at this point. Um, we'll see if they can keep it up. I'm, I'm looking forward to having Roy Hachimura back on the court um, and hoping, you know, hoping he fits in seamlessly. A uh, lot of good stuff coming out of Wes Unseld, the rookie coach, um, and, and in his first, in his, you know, the first part of the season. Um, absolutely looking forward to go and see games down in uh, down in DC, um, and hope you all join us. All right, y'all. So we got to the point where we don't just like to bring our special guests on to you know kind of drag them along for the ride, but we also like to give them a little bit of a spotlight as well. Uh, AJ, I'm going to go ahead and let you take over as uh, you know we ask Max some questions here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm pleased to uh, to present to our listening audience at home, uh, Mac Juniorson. Uh, he is the defensive coordinator for the uh, Clarksburg Coyotes, the high school football team just up the road from where we live. Um, Mac, why don't we start off? Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. How old are you? Uh, what do you do for a living? And, and you know, where are you from? I am Mac, um, 29, work for the government, originally from Silver Spring, Maryland. Uh, technically, I say we in Maryland, but yeah, we in Maryland. Um, played football at Bowie State before that, played at Wien High School, so um, you know, I'm back home, just trying to give back to the youth. Absolutely. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about, uh, the experience you've had as a football player. What, what position did you play and, um, and how did you guys do? Um, in high school, I played everything. I mean, it was just, I, it was free fall. I played everything, uh, four year starter. Uh, when I went to college, I went as a running back, got transitioned into fullback and then basically ended my career as a three year starter at fullback. Um, College was great. Um, Bowie State wasn't what it, it is right now. I think we started a new tradition. And, mm. of course, you know, the rest was history. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you, you said three years start at running back at Bowie State. How are your knees, bro? Awful. Both <laughs> are awful. Yeah. Three years start yeah. at fullback. Yeah, both knees are awful. My shoulders are bad. Um a couple of my boys still owe me a couple of checks, but it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me ask you a little bit, a, a little bit about that experience. Um, just, just so, you know, folks know, I don't, I think you're probably the first person that we've spoken to that actually has college experience on the podcast. So what was it like playing at the collegiate level? Um, and uh, what can, what can you share that you think the general public should know about it? Um, it was amazing. I mean, overall it was amazing. Um, I think every year was kind of a different stage for me. Um, I guess, you know, year one was kind of shocking because you leave high school, you're a four-year starter, you played everything, and you go to college and you don't start. And it's a whole, you know, it's, it's different. So it was it was the whole, you know, having to get used to things, having to lift. Um, I think I went in at like 185, came out freshman year at like 225. So that transition into the weight room and just, you know, in general, it was good. Um, then year two and three were more of your, you know, me trying to, I guess, learn the playbook in a way, but just get used to the speed of the game. And then year four was just, you know, it was it, it, we were veterans in the game at that point. So it was easy. It was super easy senior year. And I think that's when we started, you know, we really started winning at that point. 
Talk talk a little bit about um, about the demands that participating in um, in collegiate athletics in this country requires. I remember when I was in um, when I was at an undergrad at, at University of Maryland. My first year, I took a freshman English course, and um, this uh, one of the linemen on the football team was in the class. Um, and I just remember like how like how much he had to work. Um, and I was like in a group project with him, and it just seemed like he just didn't have the time really to put into his studies to to really excel at, at academically anyway. Um, and I, I remember feeling kind of mixed up about that because, you know, I love football, but, um, you know, and I love my Terps, but uh, it seemed like the program wasn't doing right by that that particular individual anyway. Right. Um, I guess every division is kind of different. You know, at the big schools, those those kids could get away with it. Um, Bowie State is D2. You have to go to class. Like, te- coaches made uh, class checks. Teachers sent emails when football players were not in class. But um, – your regular day, you probably up at like five thirty. You have some days you have lifting at six o'clock. Some days you have practice at six o'clock, and then you're expected to go to class like a regular student. So it was tough. I mean, it was days where you know I definitely didn't go to class <laughs> after practice. <laughs> after eight o'clock practice, I went to my room, took a nap. I never woke up. So, <laughs> I mean, it's 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 tough. It's 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 like a um, I mean, I always tell people it was like a, having a job 24 hours, 365, because, you know, in college, you're a football player all year round. It's not mm-hmm. in high school where you could do, you know, football in the fall. And then when you could do a winter sport like basketball, track in college is you football all year round. So even during the off season, you still have meetings, you have lifting, you know, just team events. So it's a lot. Um, but I mean, I understand. I understand when some kids don't get their work done. You know, but no excuses. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's a good attitude to have. Uh, what? So you said you wake up at like five. Like walk us through a typical day. Um, let's say during the season, and then take us through a typical day in the off season. Like what was it like? All right. So during the season, typical day, you wake up at five o'clock. Um, five o'clock, five thirty, depending on what position group you're in. Um, you have a six o'clock practice. Um, you're done by eight o'clock. You have to go to the calf. Breakfast is mandatory. I hated breakfast, so but he still made you go to breakfast. Um, he made sure everybody's schedule, basically a class schedule, started at nine o'clock and ended at two fifteen, around that time. So from nine o'clock to two fifteen, I'm a regular student, and after that, I have meetings from three o'clock till probably four fifteen. We, we go to the calf, we eat our dinner because we, of course, we're early, early dinner and then practice at seven. Pre-practice starts at six o'clock, six thirty, practice at seven o'clock till ten. Mm. So that's a lot. Goodness <laughs> it, gracious. It was real. I mean, it, it was it was a crazy schedule and that was every day during the season. Um, the only days we had off were Mondays, honestly, Um mm. So we, we, and we played on Saturdays. So on Sundays, we came back, watched film. We ran on Sundays. We lifted on Sundays. So it was that during the off season, it's kind of different. Um, you don't really wake up that early, but you wake up at 630. Um, mm. We have, of course, you know, spring, you have your winter conditioning or your summer runs. And then you have no class. So you just have a free day till like six o'clock and you, everybody gets back and we have lifting and probably more running for real. 
<laughs> Literally no days off. No, I mean it was honestly it was no days yeah. off on on Sundays during the season. Sometimes we go to church as a team, so it's oh, kind of you know depending on how, what week it is or you know how we did as a team. So I mean it was a like I said it was a it was a it was a job. It was a full time job, twenty four hours, morning shifts, graveyard shifts. It was it was real. How understanding were like your professors say, I don't know if you ever had the situation, but I recall one time it happened to a classmate of mine at Towson's where like they just randomly had like a Thursday game, mm-hmm. like super random Thursday game. So they had to like miss class. And the professor right. I remember one time was just like up in arms, just like kind of upset about it. What was it like? Did it ever happen to y'all? Um, I mean, we had we. <laughs> We, we do have some professors. Well, we did. I had some professors who were like, I guess, anti-football team, you know. <laughs> Player haters. We call them dweebs for real. <laughs> that, I mean, but we had some professors who were like anti-football team. So they just, they didn't care if coach sent an email. Like if you had an assignment due on Friday and we played on Saturday, they won their assignments on Friday. Like, it's no if, as, or buts. Then you had other professors who, like, they'll let you have it. You know, they're like, all right, cool, turn it in on Monday, or, you know, they give you extended time. But it happens. You, you always have that one professor who is just – they don't care if you're an athlete. To them, it's just regular life. Right. But like and, we said, and, not, not, not everybody has that chance to be an athlete. So, you know. Hey Mac, I empathize with you on uh, going back to bed at uh, after morning practice. So I ran, I ran in college. I ran for D two college, and we had uh, five a.m. runs. And oh, so yeah. I was a business major, and all our business classes started at eight. So we had oh, five a.m. Yeah. runs. So I get back, I shower. By the time I got back and showered and out, out and ready and into class, it was it was eight a.m. and I would oh, sleep yeah. through the entire class, no oh, matter I, what I, I did. I might have just just gone i would i would just pass out it didn't matter if i drank coffee it didn't matter if what i did but i had 8 a.m class and so i would get there and i just i'd sit there and wait for class to start she teacher would roll in boom head on desk and just sleep through the i drool all over my stuff so i empathize with you on that like just, Man, just trying would... to get the just 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 being like now nah, we're not doing this today nope nope we're just we're just missing this class in general and just sleep yeah, I, I... I would fall asleep taking notes and scribble across my paper and then wake up and every the classroom would be empty so yeah. like I you know I empathize with you on that on that yeah, it was it was real man it was real I think I probably missed so many classes in the morning I told myself hey man you never making those schedules for nine o'clock I think every class right. I had started at ten or ten thirty mm-hmm. yeah I need yeah. my sleep time no for sure um, for sure okay let's let's uh, let's transition a little bit away from the college stuff and let's get into what's going on in uh, what's going on now. Um, you are the defensive coordinator for the Clarksburg Coyotes, uh, but you're only 29. Uh, so like, tell us how you got involved in, uh, or how that happened. Like, how did you become the defensive coordinator? Um, so when I was done playing, um, I was in grad school at the point and, you know, I just always came back to my community and I started, I'll, I'll have to tell you how I started coaching, but, um, yeah, go ahead. Tell at, you're right. The head coach at my old high school. Um, every time he'll see me, he'll be like, Hey man, you know, you got to give back. You owe it to the community. I'm like, man, I don't owe y'all nothing. But <laughs> in my, in the back of my head, I was like, yeah, I do. Um, <laughs> cause you know, it was a lot of people that, you know, were part of my success. So I ended up starting, I started coaching in 2016 and it was okay. Um, 
I still had the player's mentality, honestly. Um, I was like, I used to look at the kids. I'm like, man, why don't you run fast? Why don't you lift this much? Like, but then I started, I was like, it wasn't fair because it was like me looking at myself and thinking, oh, these kids are me. But, you know, so that happened. Coach two years. I was the first year I was a running backs coach. Um, I think I had a thousand yard back that year. The next year I took the JV head coaching job at Wheaton and nobody had ever won at Wheaton, like nobody. Um, we ended up having a great season. We went six and three. Um, it was amazing. And then after that, I took a break from coaching because um, the staff left Wheaton. Like he he stopped coaching for a while. So I was like, you know what? I don't want to coach with no new staff. I'm going to just take a break. Um enjoy myself because I never, you know, never had breaks on football. So two years went by and then right before COVID. So in 2019, he got the Clarksburg job and he called me. He was like, man, you know, you got to come be my defense coordinator. I was like, uh, I, I don't feel like coaching, but I'll <laughs> give it a shot. Of course, COVID happened. So that gave me like extra time just to think about it. And then here we are right now, the end of mm-hmm. one season, you know, at Clarksburg. Actually, that's that's a good. Um, I I noticed what you said. You said I still have the players' mentality there. Talk about what the difference is between the players' mentality and the coaching mentality that you have now. Um, I think as a player, you just I'm like you want to you like you want kids to do good, but you don't understand that everybody's not the same. Like you don't understand that kids are slow. Kids don't know film. Kids don't know what they're looking at. So. From a coaching standpoint now, it's like, all right, cool. This kid doesn't know this. How can I teach him? What ways can I, you know, present this kind of knowledge to him that he's going to learn at some point, you know? When I was a player, I just thought, hey, man, it's it's cover two. You should know cover two because we've known cover two our entire life. But as a coach now, I'm like, hey, it's, some kids never learn from a little, you know, from little league football. Some kids never learn from rec ball, so they don't know what cover two is. So now you have to explain it to them, you know, in a different way. You know, that's I, I think that's the difference between the player's mind and the coach's mind. And sort of the bigger picture stuff and then, like, yeah. making sure that you're organizing each kid where they're right. at as opposed right. to. Right. Yeah, because, you know, everybody's a different kind of learner. So some kids might see it on paper the first day and they grasp, they pick it up. Why other kids, <laughs> I have kids, <laughs> I have kids who – Man, I'm covered three. It's, it's simple. It takes them like three, four weeks. I'm like, that's different. <laughs> but I understand now. So um, let's talk. Let's get into that a little bit because I think that I think that's a good um, uh, jumping off point there. Like, what's your so you, as a as a defensive coordinator, as one of the the coaching staff on this team, you've got to navigate your relationships with your other coaches, your relationships with your own players, and then your relationships with the community surrounding, um, you know, surrounding them. So the, the parents and the school itself. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's, let's go through each one of those. Talk about like, what's your, how, how do you, um, how do you manage your relationships with the players first, then talk about your, co- your fellow coaches and then talk about uh, the community? Um, I think with the players, it's kind of easy because to, uh, to them, I'm like big bro. Like I'm not coach, you know, I let them call me by my first name. I don't feel any kind of way. Um, I think to, real, real Mike at, Tomlin hours out here, right? Yeah, they look at me <laughs> as a role model. Like, okay, cool. Like, I could go search him up, and he comes up, so I could relate to him. Or a lot of them, 
are like from the same, you know, environment I'm from. So it's like, I right, cool. We could relate on a, you know, family kind of level. Whereas, you know, with the coaches, some of the coaches are older, some are younger. So it's still the same. Um, you know, I have some coaches that are older than me that coached me. You know what I'm saying? So to, they're like father figures to me. Whereas some of the coaches now, I think we had two coaches that were younger than me because every at every stop I was the youngest one. I don't know why. <laughs> I think we just had two coaches right now that are younger than me and I coached one of them. So that's a good thing. You know, it's a good sign, but we have the same relationship. It's like, all right, this is big bro, little bro, you know? And then with the community, it's just, I guess it's the same thing. Um, it's different in Clarksburg cause they just, you know, they don't, they don't know me. Um, I'm not from that area, but I could speak on like the Wheaton community where it was like, Oh, I've known that kid since he was a baby. I see. I've seen him play from rec ball to peewee to high school and college, and now he's coaching. So it was. It, it was. A, I think it was all love down here. Um, up there, same thing. You know, it's all love. Parents are respectful. Um, staff is supportive. You know, it's just a different. To me, it's a different kind of life up there than down here. You know. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Um. Okay. All right. Great. Uh. So. Okay. So. Um, we talked about your typical day as a college, a collegiate athlete. Talk talk a little bit about, uh, about how the how your days work when uh, during the football season and then during the off season with the with the high schoolers. Um, as a coach, so I think uh, the school day is over at two thirty. Um, we give them like fifteen minutes to you know talk to their girlfriends, whatever, do whatever they have to do. Um, they're in study hall at two forty five. Um, they have study hall from two forty five till. Let's say 3.30, 3.45, that gives them enough time to do homework. Uh, we could watch. We, sometimes we watch film uh, depending on what week we're, you know, or what part of the week we're at. And then from, like I said, 3.45 till probably 4.30, we're in the weight room. Um, at least once, once every, I want to say once every week because it's so hard, but yeah, at least once every week we, we lift and then we do yoga on the other days just to get them, you know, stretched out everything. And then four 30 till six 30 is practice. I mean, um, and then after that, we're done. I think in the new age of like zoom and everything, um, I meet with my players after practice. So I like tell them, Hey, when y'all get home, make sure y'all eat dinner. Um, do your homework. If y'all haven't, you know, done your homework. And then we have zoom meetings at like eight 30 and it's probably like a 30 minute meeting. Um, sometimes we don't even talk about football. We just talk about life. You know, a lot of kids don't talk to their folks. So it's kind of important as coaches to like, just be there for them. So sometimes we just sit on zoom and talk about life. Other times we sit, watch football, um, all talk football. I mean, just that's, that's the regular, you know, regular day for, for a coach. So I've got two two follow ups to that that line of questioning. One, um, you know, you mentioned yoga in there. I, I'm kind of curious to know, like, how standard is that? You know, do, does that is that something every team does, or is that something your particular head coach uh, uh, implemented and you know has had success with? And then two, the other question I wanted to ask was, you know, you mentioned, uh, you know, you want to talk. Sometimes you just talk to the kids at eight thirty just to you know, talk about life. Um, does that come up in a structured type of way or do you like, do you decide that ahead of time or are you just sort of like, how is everyone doing? And then, and then it kind of comes out. 
Um, the first one, yoga, um, I think it started in 2016. Um, the head coach right now, he his wife was like a yoga instructor and he, she used to, he used to bring her to workouts and we're like, yeah, what's, you know, yoga football players never heard about it, whatever. Cause I never did it in college. So I was just not aware of it. Um, and then of course we started seeing how the kids started, you know, gradually liking it. And we we're like, all right, cool. That's something we could add to our like routine in the off season and in the regular season, just to keep our kids, you know, keep their bodies right. Um, I think this year we only had two injuries, um, you know, wow. for, for, yeah, for a 4A football team that has a brutal schedule. That's, that's, that's really good. You know what I'm saying? That's really good for two injuries with a brutal schedule. It's, it's, it's big. Um, and then your second one was, uh, was uh, about the time at the end of the day, oh, like eight eight thirty meetings where you talk about life. Like, how does that. Do you have to organize that or, or does it sort of come up organically? Like, how do you do that? Now nah, I let it, you know, I let it come up naturally. Um, some, cause some days I, every day I plan to watch film or, you know, talk football with them, but you know, you just feel like the vibe with the kids and some of them are going through a lot of things. So some days they just look tired and like, all right, cool. Let's talk what's going on. And like I say, it could be personal stuff. It could be family stuff. It could be current events. Um, just giving them a platform to like, you know, voice themselves and, you know, see, see where things are going in regards to our program. Um, does any of my co-hosts have any questions right now or should I, should I keep moving, keep going? I think, I think I'm good. You keep, keep it, keep it moving for now. It's a lot of good stuff though. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, it's all, it's all good stuff. Yeah. You're good. You can keep going. Okay. Um, so, so that, that sort of gives us a sort of overview what a week looks like in a, in a high school football program. Um, so you're the defensive coordinator, um, and you are Eric. Do you have a question? Well, I, I, there's there actually was one thing that that Mac mentioned, and I wanted to highlight it very quickly because um, for the audience. But he said 4A school. So Montgomery County, uh, for those of who are listening who don't understand, the number designated before the letter A uh, represents the size of a high school. So like, if I'm not mistaken, Damascus is like 2A, but Clarksburg, given the size of it, is a 4A. Right. Yeah, and that breaks up how the different schools match up and play against each other. Right, right, right. It's just um, based yeah. on the size of the school, size of, enro- of enrollment, for real. Yes, th- thanks, uh, thanks, Eric. That's a, that's a good thing to flag. Um, I, I had even forgotten that myself. Um, so so you, we, we spoke a little bit about what the typical day looks like for, for a high schooler and what your relationships are like. Um, you're the defensive coordinator. That means you're responsible for coming up with um, you know, with the defensive scheme and ensuring that the defense, uh, you know, runs it. Um, so walk us through a little bit of the X's and O's. Like, how do you devise your defensive scheme? Um, what you can tell us, you know, in public without giving too much away, obviously. Um, yeah. <laughs> what's your, what's the process like doing that? Um, I think it's, I mean, it always starts with what are you used to? Um, that was like the most important thing. Uh, just coming in there, I was like, you know what? What do I know? Of course, I know a lot of different schemes, but I also had to look at it as what do these kids have that could fit into the system? A lot of coaches want to have systems, but you don't have players that fit those systems. So, you know, coming into Clarksburg, um, we had a lot of athletes. So I'm like, all right, cool. We have a lot of athletes, kids who run fast. So I, you know, I um, right now I run a 4-2-5. Um, 
for most people who don't know, that's four defensive linemen, two linebackers, and five defensive backs. But the thing about it is in your 4-2-5, two of your defensive backs are really linebackers who run fast. Um, they're just, I guess, smaller type linebacker kids who could cover. So basically that's what I run. Um, I think it's universal around. A lot of people, you know, run different schemes, but whatever comes out of the 4-2-5 could turn into anything. You get what I'm saying? So it could turn, it could quick, I could quickly turn it into a 4-3, into a 3-4 into a 5-2, into a 5-3, you know, based on opponents and based on whatever they give me, um, you know, it could turn into anything. But my base right now is a 4-2-5. Okay, excellent, excellent. And uh, did you – obviously you've played football at a whole bunch of different levels. Like what – where did you derive that from? Did you take it from, uh, you know, watching other high school teams or did you get it from college? Like where where, did it come from? Um, It came from – well – I got it from Bowie State. Uh, you know, that's what we ran all four years. Um, it's just basically putting your athletes in positions to make plays. And I, you know, just seeing how much success we had with that defense in college, I was like, hey, man, I can take the same scheme and transfer it on a high school level and we're going to have success. And defensively, I think, you know, it's shown we having a lot of success. And kids are making a lot of plays just because of what, you know, what the scheme has to offer for them. Hmm. Uh, one other thing I wanted to touch on, uh, based on your answer was, um, you know, I guess, uh, you were, you said, you had said that in the, in the, um, five, two, four, that really some of the defensive line, uh, or sorry, some of the defensive backs are actually like li- basically linebackers that can cover. Um, how do you think the game has changed over time to reflect the fact that like a lot of these, um, you know, when you have a lot of athletes, the lines between, you know, your defensive backs and your linebackers, uh, and, and your linemen sort of get blurred a little bit. Like, you know, you, you've got uh, – in the NFL, you kind of see this with um, uh, 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 Buda Baker, for example. Baker. Is a, right, example right, right. Yeah, positionless, I think – Positionless players. Yeah, I was just going to say that. It's, it's a lot of positionless football going on right now, which is good. I mean, it's good for the game. It's good for um, where you see a safety who normally is going to be – oh, safeties, he could cover, but he can't tackle. But you see, the, you see him coming downhill every time and it's a it's a car crash so it's good for the game um i think a lot of high school kids are starting to realize hey man look i may be smaller and you know frame wise but i still have the same tenacity and you know speed tangibles whatever you want to classify them as i still have the same as linebackers but i'm a db i could cover but i could also come downhill and stop the run so a lot of high school kids are you know you know is i think we're like he said, we're getting away from that old school type football where it's just nobody has a position. I think this year I had one of my safeties. He ended up playing defensive end for the entire year. Hmm. Crazy. Six four kid, probably like 185 pounds, but he was just he's he's unstoppable. So I was like, you know what? Why do I have that kid all the way in the back end of my defense where I could put him right up front next to the football? I mean, hmm. so that's that's stuff that coaches have to you know figure out like all right my best athletes are gonna play but sometimes your best athletes might not play the positions that they've been playing their entire lives you know that's and that's that's one of the rewards of a 425 is i could use my athletes everywhere i mean i could use my safeties at dn if i need to excellent excellent so um 
thank you for that. That explains uh, that. That's a that's a very interesting insight into the world of uh, of sports in particular. As you know, seeing how the game evolves, I think it's interesting the relationship between high school, college, and the pros as you know as things you know they sort of translate and interact with each other. Right. Um, so uh, the last couple of questions I wanted to ask you have to have to do with like your relationships with your players. Um, why don't you tell the tell tell our audience what you get out of coaching, and what you what you hope the players take out of it uh, at the end of the day? Um, I think I think the biggest thing for me is like impacting lives. Um, just telling these kids, hey man, you have you have another choice out there. Like it's another option for you. You know, um, like I said earlier, um, just giving back what was given to me. You know, a lot of people were reasons why I became, you know, a college football player or a lot of reasons why I was an all-county high school football player. Um, that wasn't just me working hard. It was a lot of people just, you know, because I had other influences. I could have did certain things that other people did, but it was a lot of people that kept me on the right path. So me coaching now is just doing the same thing. Like, hey, man, I'm going to give you a choice. Like, I'm going to give you an option I, I, in sense. Um, you know, and – like I said, just seeing kids success succeed. Um, that's the biggest thing. Like the success kids have from a high school standpoint to a college standpoint is amazing. Um, and I ain't, I'm not even talking about playing football. I'm talking about graduating college. Like I have kids that I coached when I started coaching who just graduated college. It's amazing. Right. Um, I always tell my players now, like, Hey man, one day I'm gonna be old, and you're gonna have to invite me to your wedding or something, something you know, <laughs> stuff like that. Where it's just, it's it's a it's a family. It's building a bond. Um, you know, I'm just I have a lot. I call them my little brothers. I have a lot of little brothers out there. So it's just giving them the game back. You know, the same way somebody gave me. Mm, I think that's excellent. the most rewarding part. Yeah. I I was actually just about to ask. That was gonna be my next question. Was what is the most rewarding? Uh, well, actually. Let's 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 t- back up a little bit from the big picture and ask a l- more particular question. What what's your most rewarding experience as a coach that you can remember? Um, I think my first year as a head coach, the JV team I had, uh, we went six and three. Um, the last game I think we played Churchill. They were like undefeated or something, and we ended up going over there, and we <laughs> it was it was ugly. It got ugly, and. <laughs> know every coach every coach wants this but my kids gave me like a a, a Gatorade bath at the end of the game <laughs> it, was, yeah, it, was, it was amazing we still talk about those moments to this day um still keep in contact with all those kids to this day so that was that was an amazing feeling you know just knowing that you know you impacted a lot of kids lives and uh, you know telling kids telling like hey man coach if it wasn't for you I would have never played or if it wasn't for you I would have never thought about going to college you know, stuff like that is good to hear, um, you know, and just seeing the smiles on their faces at the end of the day, you know, kids, kids are kids. They always want to learn. They want to get out there. So sometimes it just takes the right person to, you know, tweak that little, I guess, you know, thing in there in their minds. And once you tweak it, you know, you got them forever. Okay. Awesome. Uh, uh, my co-hosts, uh, Lauren, and Eric, do you guys have anything you want to ask before we, uh, before we wrap things up? I've got one more question, but it's uh, I'm, I'm I, I kind of had a question. Yeah, I had a quick question about the four two five you were talking about. So what, yes, what the one thing the one thing I thought about when he said it, the only thing I could the one thing I thought about in the pros anyway was the first year Lamar made the playoffs against the Titans, 
and they ran what I thought was called the amoeba defense where they subbed out like they put like six DBs back there and they just forced Lamar to the sidelines. And so like I didn't I, know how much like like you I, you know took either took from that or saw that or knew about that. You know, that's what I immediately thought of was that sort of you put your best athletes out there, your fastest guys and you force him, you know, you force Lamar to run sideways instead of upfield. I mean, to be honest, if you look at the pro game right now, I think probably 45% of the league probably is a 4-2-5, like defensive-wise. They're 4 2 mm-hmm. teams. Um, take take the Cowboys, for instance. Um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, what's his name? Who just came from Atlanta? Michael Parsons? Nah, oh, not no. him. Well, him him playing defensive end, but you have Keanu yeah. Neal, who's, who's originally a safety, but they're like, all right, cool. Play outside linebacker for me. That's yeah. technically a four-two-five because now you just took a, gotcha. you took away your traditional outside linebackers and put in a, a strong safety. I mean, it's almost the same thing Washington is trying to do with um, um, Landon Collins. Landon Collins, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Put him, yeah, put him at linebacker. Yeah, put him at linebacker. Now it's yeah. it's a four-two-five because now you have your athletes at positions where those outside linebackers are too slow or they can't cover. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like those Vaughn. tight ends. The tight ends are too too fast and too quick now. Right. right. Like Paul Miller. You gotta get someone in there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like Joey Bosa is considered an outside linebacker, but we we know they're defensive ends. You know, yeah. it's just the kind of defense everybody runs. So no, that makes sense. No. Yeah, it's just it's it's all about putting your athletes in positions where they normally are not gonna play. Put them around the ball. Yeah, put them around the ball. Let them run. I mean, why do I want a 250-pound linebacker who can't cover a soul where I could get a safety who's – okay, Keanu Neal, he's probably slower than most safeties now, but he hits just as much as linebackers do. So, you know, that's that's, that's where – He makes the plays and he knows where his nose nose to go, right? Like he puts his nose in the play, which is all that matters, right? right? Like it's always funny. Like it's like you said, you could have him run a 40 – and he probably wouldn't test out that well, but you put him in a game situation where he's got to go get the ball, and he just hunts it down, and he makes makes the play. When uh, you think about it, from a from a matchup standpoint, he's matched yeah. up against people who are not that fast. So, yeah, no, that makes sense. And then the last question I had was um, uh, watching film. So I hear you know guys that like in the NFL, for instance, or even in college, they sit there and they're like, we watch hours and hours of film just to get an edge, just to get some sort of piece, some sort of something. And I, li- I listened to a whole Sean Lee interview, and he was watched hours of film. He's there, and Russell Wilson, too. They called it like Russell Wilson said, if I can tell one or two plays, like a defensive guy's doing something, I can see something. So for me, I've always kind of sat there, and I've tried to watch film going into, like, like you know, just on YouTube or whatever, going into next week or whoever the Washington football team is playing to see, like, tendencies of players. But, like, right. when you go watch film as a defensive coordinator – what are you looking for at that off for the offense, right? Because you know the offense is going to try to maybe change things up week to week. So, like, what do you see from players, right? That makes you go, oh, okay, this is this is something I can make a note of. Like, like you say, like they're 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 running back. I don't know, puts his head down whenever he gets the ball, so he's not looking where he's going, right, or something like that. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's that's a great question. Um, the first thing I always tell my kids, this this how I always train my mind. The first thing I did was I look at personnel groupings. So your personnel groupings are how many receivers are in the game, how many running backs, how many tight ends. Well, it starts with the running backs, tight ends, and receivers, right? So the first thing is personnel mm-hmm. groupings. Your personnel groupings then make your formations. So if you know my mm-hmm. personnel, if you know the formations, 
And then now you know what plays come out of this formations based on the personnel, right? Because again, yeah. they could come out in the same uh, same formation with a different personnel and not run that play. So just breaking it down based on personnel formations, then plays by formations. Now you start looking at tendencies. Then when you look at an offensive line perspective, the first thing I do is look at the center because, of course, the center is the football. Where does the center go in regards to if it's pass pro? Does he block away from the running back? Does he block to the running back? Or does he block to the field or away from the field? Just little things like that, when you start picking it up, it it becomes like second nature. Like, hey, man, it's times where I was on the sideline with my kids and I'm calling plays. Like, I'm I'm like, all right, they running jet. They running power. They running ISO. They running inside zone. And my kids just look at me like I'm crazy. Like, damn, coach, how do you know? Like, I'm like, man, I don't need – the thing about football is I don't need your playbook to have what you do. You know what I'm saying? Football is so universal. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's only five or six run plays ever in football. You have your yeah. dives. You have your inside zones. You have your outside zones. You have your um, tosses. You know what I'm saying? It, it's not that much. Everybody runs the same thing. So it's just looking at tendencies. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. from a defensive perspective, that's it. It's personnel, formations, and then what plays come out of center formations. And then, like I said, from an offensive line perspective, where does the center go? Because the center always starts the protection. Either he goes left or he goes right. It's easy. Blocks to the backside or blocks away from the back. So mm. just look, looking at things like that and just gaining that knowledge, I think, helps a lot. Of, I, I mean, I've seen it with my kids. You know, before I got there, they never heard about stuff like this. But me getting yeah. this from college and coming back, and I'm like, all right, cool. I'm going to do it this way. They like, all right, cool. This is there now. They're ready for college. Now they're ready to go into a college film room where the coaches expect a lot. And you know, you got to be able to talk football. I mean, yeah. You just say, oh, that kid is running that route right. You know, a lot of yeah. kids do that. I mean, so yeah. is that, that makes that's sense. And, yeah, no, you're preparing them for the second level. I call it. I call it counting hats. That's what I do. Whenever that's what I. That's what I mentally call it in my head. When they when teams roll out like in college or in pros, I start counting hats. So I'm like, all right. How many, how many tight ends they got? Okay, so the guy, they're rolling out with a jumbo package, two tight ends and an extra lineman, and they're heavy on the right side, right? Like, so I start counting, I don't know, that's what I call it. I call it, you know, I count their helmets. I count hats and who who they have and what personnel. So I kind of, from there, kind of go down, decide maybe what, yeah. what play they're going to run. But I no, think I, with, per, cool. with personnel groupings, the easiest, like I said, just look at how many running backs are in the backfield, how many tight ends are in the game. The receivers always make up the difference because every team has mm. five skilled players on the field. Right, mm-hmm. not counting the quarterback five. So if you have one running back, no tight end, that means you have four receivers out there somewhere. Right. If you have one running back, two tight ends, the receivers make up the difference. So you have two receivers lined up somewhere. And then right. now, wherever you see the receivers kind of make up the formations, the receivers and the tight ends. So wherever you see them, if it's three receivers on one side, you know that strips. Right. If it's two receivers and a tight end on the same side, you know that's trade. But just learning stuff like that. For kids is gonna be i mean it's big it's big yeah from college i mean from high school all the way through the pros i mean even from little league if you if you have yeah. a kid learn formations and all that as a little kid you're always gonna know it no for sure and then getting them communicated efficiently on exactly. the field is a huge step it's, too yep but being able to talk awesome. football that's 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 what yeah. i tell my players man when you, i always tell them man when you talk to me talk football i mean talk it's, it's a different language I mean, talk football. That way I know where the person is at. Like, 
Um, another thing from a defensive standpoint is techniques, right? You got to know what technique you're lined up in. You have a zero technique, you have a one, you have a two, you have a two eye. And so, you know, whatever every team has. So it's like a kid can't tell me, hey, I'm like, where you lined up at? He was like, inside of the guard. I'm like, man, don't tell me that. Give me a technique. <laughs> like, give me, oh, inside of the guard, oh, I'm a two eye, right? I'm a two eye yeah. player. I got the B gap. Or if I'm in a one technique, I got the A gap. But when kids start communicating like that, then you know you're onto something as a coach. That's awesome. That's Uh, that's actually a really great transition to the question I was going to ask in the interview. Uh, So uh, we all here at the Go Deep podcast have enjoyed uh, Coach 30's TikToks where he uh, (laughs) pretends to be in the film room. Uh, I just wanted to ask, you know, how does when you're in the film room, uh, is that how you interact with your players? Like, how realistic is that? Like, what's that? (laughs) It's it's real. It's it's definitely real. I mean, I I don't go as extreme as him and say, hey, man. Look, this guy's just getting paid to lose a game. But <laughs> I, you know, it's it's real. It, I think I think his um, description of coaches is more college based. Uh, when we were in college, our coaches were that real in the film room. Like, <laughs> and you probably get chewed for a whole hour and a half. Oh, I mean, it it could get real. So, um, he it's great though. I like what he's doing. It's funny. Um, <laughs> it's bringing another side to the game. Like us coaches, we sit down and talk about it, and I'm like, yeah, man, hey, we had some, we had some college coaches who acted just the same way. You know what I'm so it's 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 cool. I, my style in right now in high school, I don't think I'm like that. I think I'm more of a we're gonna talk. We're gonna. I'm not gonna point out like I don't really point out too many like mistakes for kids. I just. Like, if you make a mistake going to the wrong gap, I'm like, hey, man, you had a lineup right here, go here. You know what I'm saying? Just make it easy for them. Because, you know, some of these kids nowadays, they just, they different. <laughs> they just different. Um, well, I, got a, I, got, I got a quick one. Yes, sir. This, this was your first season uh, at Clarksburg. Yeah, um, first one, first one. How was how was the rivalry between good old Clarksburg and Damascus? How, how was that oh, game? <laughs> it's crazy. That that right there, I think that game was one I wish I could go back to. Um, we're up on Damascus, which had never happened. Um, and going into the fourth quarter, I mean, my defense was playing lights out. Uh, but you know, it's it's. I think I think right now in the county, strength in numbers. Like if you have the numbers in the fourth quarter, you're gonna you know, and we just didn't have the numbers to like keep up with them. And wow. you could. If you watch that film, you see in the fourth quarter they they like wear us out. Like it's mm-hmm. he goes from having two yard runs to four yards, four yards, four yards. That's a first down. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Whereas he was going two, 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 no first down. Now you got a punt. You know what I'm Straight saying? Down. But but we also spotted them um, a kickoff return to start the game. So technically. I could say Damascus only scored 14 points on my defense, which is <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but you know, we got to run it back next year for sure. There we you go. Run it back. And we're at Damascus, so it's gonna be a good game. I like I like what the coaches have up going up there, man. Yeah, it's it, it's funny because uh, I, I coached number two when he was uh, in middle school. Oh yeah, he he's a problem. He's a baller. Yeah, he's a problem. I mean, yeah. he's like six two two thirty, and he could roll. Yeah. Yep, like, he could roll. <laughs> I mean, I had kids. My kids were hitting him all game. And I'm telling you, in the fourth quarter, it was like 
you just, man child. He's yeah, a man child. Just, <laughs> he's just dishing it out. Yeah. Dishing it out. I mean, he, kid, that's awesome. Can't, yeah, I can't take it away from him, man. He's a great player. He's a great that's player. That's awesome. <laughs> Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this has been our uh, the Go Deep podcast interview with uh, Mac Juniorson, uh, defensive coordinator for the Clarksburg Coyotes. Um, Mac, uh, do you have any? Um, I don't know if you have any like socials or anything you want to shout out, or if you if there's anything uh, anything you'd like to leave us with uh, as we as we transition to the rest of the show. Um, yeah, man, y'all can also y'all can follow me on um, Twitter at Coach Mac underscore S four R. Um, the S4R is a brand I have called Sacrifice for Reward. So it's Coach Mac underscore S4R. Um, and you can follow me on Instagram at Mac underscore PhD. All right. Moving um, moving forward to our picks for the week here. Week 10 in the NFL. Uh, we're going to kind of speed through these. I know you guys have been hanging with us for a while now um, after the Mac interview. So we're going to get you out of here real quick, but give you some of our betting advice here. Um, starting off the week, Washington football team versus Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, I got I got the Bucks guys. Uh, Lauren, what you got here? Yeah, no Bucks are uh, beating us. They're laying the uh, their Bucks are uh, a minus ten right now, and then minus four fifty over under is at fifty two points. But I've got the Bucks beating us by ten or more. Our offense is too. Our offense the last three games has scored 13, 10, and ten points. I don't think uh, I think we roll out and that Bucks defense just shuts us down. And Tom just ball control the whole time you know tom brady's tom brady they beat us they, they blow us out they probably beat us by more than 10. mac who you got washington or tampa hey man i think coming out of bye week i got washington Ooh, hot take I got washington hot take okay, okay. that's what we call a hot take i think tampa has too many injuries right now um antonio brown's not gonna be back Bronx might not be back mm-hmm. um just I think it's going to be, you know, it's going to be one of those things. Washington's trying to find their way right now. Um, and I think they, they steal this one. I think they really steal this one. Oh, AJ. Yeah, sorry. I have no faith in this team. Uh, Bucks are going to take it comfortably. <laughs> Fair sounds enough. Good. Yep, Fair sounds enough. right. Uh, moving on to my team, the Jets versus the Bills. Guys, uh, we got absolutely thrashed on the run game by the Colts. Uh, our our defense is kind of reeling right now, so I got to go with the Bills here. They're going to bounce back from Jacks, Jacksonville. But uh, AJ, who you got here? No, I got the Bills. Uh, I I love the scrappiness of the Jets, but uh, I don't think they have what it takes at this point in their um, in their rebuild. Fair, fair. Mac, who you got here? Uh, the Bills. They bounce back. Yeah, that's fair. Lauren. Yeah, I've got the Bills as well. Bills are minus 13. Um, that's a big spread, but I think that happens. They got embarrassed by the Jaguars, and they're going to come out hungry, looking for blood. So they will roll They will roll out. And no, sorry, Eric. They will. I think they'll roll through your Jets. That's to be expected. That's all right. At least it's not a primetime game. That's true. <laughs> Other local team, Ravens versus the Dolphins. Uh, Dolphins are not a good team. Lamar is a phenomenal player. He is special. Um, he's going to absolutely demolish them. Uh, Mac, who you got this week? Ravens or Dolphins? You can't bet against Lamar, so I got the Ravens. Yep, yep, yep. Lauren, who you got here? I also am rolling with uh, the Ravens because Lamar is having an MVP-type season, and that should not go overlooked at all. Yep. AJ? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things about these Ravens is, uh, you know, I feel like they've some somewhat surprisingly struggled in mid-games. 
Um, but it turns out if you have Lamar Jackson, uh, you know, you, you can't always get what you want. But if you try, sometimes you just might find you get what you need. So Lamar Jackson is what everyone needs. And uh, that's I, I got to go with the Ravens. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, exciting game here. Well, p- potentially exciting. It all really depends on the availability of their quarterbacks. But Packers versus Seahawks. Uh, my caveat here is if Aaron Rodgers plays, it's the Packers. Um, if not, Seahawks all day. Lauren, yeah, just to, got... just to be clear for the for the folks at home, um, COVID protocols. Uh, I think I believe from what I remember about the COVID protocols, Aaron Rodgers has to uh, have two negative COVID tests within twenty four uh, hours. Within twenty four hours uh, of game time, so. Uh, if that happens, then he can play, uh, and that you know the outcome of the game maybe may go in one direction. Uh, if it doesn't happen, then it may go in the it's, there's a good chance it's going in the other. So that's what we're looking at uh, here. Uh, I think I think if Aaron Rodgers plays, the Packers probably pull it out, uh, and if he doesn't, that uh, a a revitalized Seattle Seahawks offense with under Russell Westbrook can probably put them away. Russell Wilson. Yeah, sorry, wrong <laughs> Russell. Back, who you got? Um. The winner gets Odell. I got the Packers. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Lord, who you got here? Yeah, so it looks like the Seahawks are the uh, underdog as it is as it stands currently. So it looks like Vegas, I think, is expecting Aaron Rodgers to be back in time. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, because he's unvaccinated, has to, minimal, has to miss a minimum of 10 days, which puts him at – doesn't matter if he tests negative or not, but – to AJ's point, he does have to test negative twice within 24 hours of the game. So the earliest he can come back is Saturday, the uh, Saturday the 13th. So then he'd be in, he'd be in time for uh, uh, to play on the play on the uh, play the this weekend. But uh, from what everything I heard from today's interview, he said stated that he was going to be in Zoom meetings all week and probably come out and play. But yeah, pretty much uh, I agree with what AJ said and what Eric said. If uh, if Aaron's good to go and Green Bay's good to go and he's starting, Green Bay's going to probably win this. Uh, if if not, I've got Seattle picking this up. But Seattle's the underdog. It's plus three uh, or minus. Th- uh, uh, Seattle's the underdog by plus three. Their spread's plus one forty-five. But I've got Green Bay winning this. Right on. Uh, moving it along to the AFC West, the Chiefs, who are reeling in the shell of themselves, playing against a surprisingly steady. Uh, Las Vegas Raiders, Mac. I know you hate both of them, but who would you prefer to see win? <laughs> um, I think the Chiefs. Okay, okay. Now your Chargers did take it to the Chiefs uh, earlier in the year. We definitely did, right? So I'm sure you feel like you can take them again. Yeah, I think we got them again. I think I think the division is ours. Yeah, I mean Herbert's a special kid, man. He's special. We just got to we got to figure out our run game. You, do you trust an Eckler or no? I don't. Me neither. <laughs> I won't even hold you. No. Me neither. <laughs> never, never trusted him. He's he's a great receiving back. Yeah, um, but not a three down back. Nah, yeah, I don't think he has it. I thought I thought we should have made a move for Kareem Hunt, but that's a different you know conversation for a different time. Just means we got to bring you back on the podcast for that one. No doubt. <laughs> AJ, who you got on this one? You got Raiders or Chiefs? Uh, I'm going with the Raiders. Uh, I don't. So this this Chiefs team has shown itself to be, um, you know, I think they can do what they need to do against teams that are patently awful, like the Washington football team. Um, but I don't think that they have what it takes to um, take down an organization with any kind of integrity. And I know that's a lot to say about a Raiders team who's lost their head coach and everything. But I think on the football field, um, they've proven that they've 
got some depth and some resilience, um, particularly the, for the past couple of weeks. Um, and so I think I think the Raiders take this one. Lauren, who are you rolling the dice yeah. with? Yeah, no. So I've got the Raiders as well. The Raiders are the underdogs, though, in this. But uh, plus two, the spread is plus two and a half, so three points. And the money line's plus one twenty on the Raiders. Um, and the over under is fifty two. But I've got the Raiders taking it. I think the Chiefs, the Chiefs barely beat the the Aaron Rodgers Packers. And no offense to Jordan Love, but he looked um, god awful. So uh, maybe because his mom was sitting in nosebleeds or something like that. But he did not look. He did not look good. And so I think that they. Uh, I think they. Uh, I think the the Raiders come through, and that that D line they just eat Patrick Mahomes alive, and they they have him running around like crazy. Mason Crosby probably got to get the sack or two. I just don't think that they they look dysfunctional. The Chiefs do, and I think that they roll up against the Raiders, who have a who have a have a good defense and a and a stiff backbone, and have even proven that they don't need their head coach, they don't need their racist head coach or whatever, they don't need their their first round wide receiver, they don't need none of these people. They're just going to come out, they're going to play, they're going to ball and punch people in the mouth. And I think the Chiefs right now are one of these teams that. That are reeling, and I think they're going to roll off, come out, punch them in the mouth, and beat them. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Parlay two or more sacks for Max Crosby into a Raiders win. Uh, I'm going to roll the dice with the Raiders as well. I thought, I thought uh, against betting against the Chiefs, but they are showing that they are just as vulnerable as anybody else. Uh, moving on to the last game. Wait, hold here, on. I just, I just gotta, I just gotta say this. Uh, look to the Green Bay Packers as an organization, um, guys. I don't know what I don't know how you expect your man to have his like Mighty Ducks Emilio Estevez moment if his family members are sitting on Mars to watch the game like bruh bring them bring them down close to the field so that you know they can have that inspirational moment you know when that moment when the music kind of st- the, the the sounds of the game kind of fall away and you hear the trumpets and and the horns come up uh, and the theme that's been playing throughout the entire rest of the movie comes you can't you can't have that when when mom and and the girlfriend are sitting uh like like literally on the planet saturn like come on you you can do better than that green bay i expect more from you uh and if you want to win games without aaron Rodgers, which apparently you might have to do i'd I'd highly recommend putting them at the 50 yard line that's all i'm gonna say about that (laughs) there you go (laughs) last game here that we're going to touch on eagles versus broncos um it's just one of those games that's kind of a toss-up for us here um I think push come to shove. I'm going to have to go with the Eagles. They've shown to be a little bit more scrappier. Uh, Jalen Hurts showed that he can actually throw for once this past week. Uh, shout out to Devontae Smith for putting up almost 20 points on my fantasy bench. Thank you very much. Uh, AJ, who you got here? Um, you know, originally I, I had gone with the um, I had gone with the Eagles on this, but I think I'm switching my pick. I, my gut tells me that the Broncos, uh, the Broncos will, will pull it out. They've probably got a better organization than the Eagles in this case. Uh, maybe that's what it is. I don't know. I, I'm taking the Broncos. What about you, Lauren? So I'm leaning towards the Eagles. I think the Eagles are just scrappy. I think they come out. I think the Broncos had their emotional high last week. They rolled into the Cowboys and were like, yeah, we're going to beat this team. Yeah, we're good. And then they beat them. I think the Eagles come out and they punch them in the mouth. I think the Eagles I think the Eagles and Jalen Hurts do enough to get this win. What about you, Mac? I don't know. Maybe Mac can sway me one way or another. Nah, man. I like the Eagles, man. I like I like what okay. I saw last week. Um, yep, me too. You know, even though we beat them, but it was a dog fight all game. Um, so that's I think, what I'm saying. They're scrappy, right? The Eagles, like I, they're I they're, they're, I, they're scrappy, right? They are. They play they play tough. Um, they play. So I like I like I like the Eagles. I like their quarterback. I like what he's doing right now. Yeah, I think I think the Broncos are one of those teams that are just they they're getting like all this unnecessary hype, but. 
We'll see what happens. Moving on. This is Lauren's time to shine. His speed minute. Let's get it, Lauren. Speed round go. All right. So as our, our another one o'clock game we have is Atlanta Falcons versus the Dallas Cowboys. Looks like the uh, Cowboys are the heavy favorite here by minus nine. Money lines minus uh, four thirty. And we all picked the Cowboys. I don't know if they cover that spread or not. That's a pretty big spread for Atlanta. That's shown shown as a good team. So I wouldn't maybe take that spread. But we got the Cowboys winning on the money line. Another one o'clock game we have here is Tennessee versus New Orleans. As you heard earlier on the podcast, we are buying ten, the Tennessee Titans and them and all their money. So the Tennessee the spread's only here minus three, and Tennessee's money line's minus one fifty. So yeah, we've got the we you parlay those two. The, we got Tennessee easily beating the beating the uh, New Orleans Saints. Uh, next, another one o'clock game with Jacksonville Jaguars versus the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, we have the Colts smashing them um, by the spread, which is eleven and the money line. So yeah, we take those as well. Uh, the Cleveland Browns versus New England Patriots is a little bit of a toss-up, but we all we all decided that the Cleveland Browns are a better team and a better organization. They're going to cover. As of as it stands right now, the uh, Cleveland Browns are the underdog to the New England Patriots. This is a, this is a game you can make a little bit of money on here. The spread is two points. Money line's plus 105 for the Browns, so you can make some money here. I think the Browns cover that spread for sure, and I think the Browns roll in there and, and beat New England. Uh, another 1 o'clock game we have here is Detroit. The 0-8 Detroit Lions versus Pittsburgh Steelers. Don't bet against Mike Tomlin. They're going to kick the crap out of the uh, Detroit Lions. Um, uh, another 4-5 game we have is Carolina Panthers versus the Arizona Cardinals. Arizona, Arizona Cardinals are probably the best team in the NFL, if not one of the best teams in the NFL. The spread is 11 points for the Arizona Cardinals. And Vegas has them at minus uh, 550 uh, for the money line. So, yeah, and Carolina Panthers, who knows what they're doing at quarterback and who knows what they're doing all together as an organization. So we've got Arizona beating them and covering that spread easily. Uh, so we also have the uh, Minnesota Vikings versus the Los Angeles Chargers. So specifically because Mac is on here, we all picked the Minnesota Vikings to beat them. Totally just kidding. That's just that was just totally just making this just just a side joke. As you know, AJ hates Minnesota and wants them to burn in hell forever. So we've got the Chargers. Screw beating. you, Kirk Cousins. And so we've got the Chargers. We've got the Chargers beating uh, beating Minnesota, covering the spread, which is only three points. And uh, we got them covering that money line, which is minus 145. So Max going to – you know Max going to go put some money on that based off our uh, opinions. Uh, and then uh, uh, the uh, – looks like the uh, Monday night game is the Los Angeles Rams versus the San Francisco 49ers. You know me. I've got money on the Rams this season, all this season, doing what they need to do, taking names, you know. So they're and so does apparently does everybody else. So we've got the Rams covering the four-point spread. I think the Rams have a bounce back. We all think the Rams have a bounce back game, beat the crap out of the 49ers. Uh, they cover, they cover that, probably cover that spread. And then the money line's minus 200, but yeah, we, you could parlay that to a decent money, but that covers the rest of the game. So that get that ends Lauren's speed round. As always, Lauren, thank you so much. He did that in one breath, ladies and gentlemen, he's been practicing. <laughs> uh, I want to take a quick moment to thank everybody for sticking around this long on the podcast. We decided to give you an extra long one just because of the bye week um, We felt we owed it to you and we had the energy for it. So we did. I also want to take a big moment. And thank Max so much for coming out. Uh, thanks for your time, man. Anything you'd like to add at the end here? Uh, for anybody, any shout-outs, feel free to take a time. Nah, man, appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Um, like I said, I've, I'm looking forward to be back on this podcast. Oh, for sure. And we're, we're all Coyotes fans now, so we'll be rooting for you guys. That's right. Right, right, for sure. Hey, yep, when, the, when, out, the the, when the Chargers make the playoffs, we'll have you on for the playoffs for a playoff round. Give us your in-depth, game, in-depth yeah. game analysis. Like I said, no doubt, man. My I tell my players to go listen. So shout out to all my players. Um, <laughs> shout out to D Block. That's what we call ourselves. 
There you go. D block. There you D-block. go. D block. So we appreciate it. The shout out so. to little sis too. She got to connect. <laughs> Cassie. Thank you. Thank you, Cassie. <laughs> Gentlemen, anything Love else? You. Any parting shots you'd like to say? I guess not. And with that, we will end tonight's podcast. As always, have a good evening and go deep. Go Go deep. deep.